Hello, and welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Today, Glenn and I have a super interesting discussion with Jeff Chilton about mushrooms and the medicinal effects of mushrooms that are relevant to the older athlete. Jeff is the founder of Namex, the very first company to supply medicinal mushroom extracts to the nutritional supplement industry. I have to admit, I always thought mushrooms were just another plant, but I was so wrong. Mushrooms are the fruit of fungi that breathe oxygen and store energy as glycogen, just as you and I do. If you are wondering whether mushrooms could be a missing element in the older athlete's arsenal of performance, recovery, and longevity, then listen in as we get into some details on what mushrooms offer and how to tell if what you are buying is a quality product. Jeff is a true mushroom expert and a super entertaining guy. I promise you'll enjoy it. All right, let's talk to Jeff. Our topic today is mushrooms. Helping us to better understand mushrooms is Jeff Chilton, an expert in the study of historical uses and impact of medicinal mushrooms. Jeff is also the founder of Namex, which was the very first company to supply medicinal mushroom extracts to the nutritional supplement industry. Jeff, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Joe, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be with you. Yeah, I'm so tickled to have you. And Glenn, yes, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jeff. Looking forward to this very much. Excellent. Jeff, before we get into the uses and benefits of mushrooms for the older athlete, I wonder if you could just start us off by telling just a little bit about how you came to be an expert on mushrooms. Well, I was I was raised in Seattle and grew up in Seattle. Pacific Northwest is a climate that's very conducive to mushroom growth. In fact, it's one of the, the best areas in the world for wild mushrooms. So I had mushrooms all around me. I got out early hunting mushrooms, which was really a lot of fun. And then when I went to university, my study was actually anthropology, but I, they also had a mycology department there. So I took courses in, in mycology, which is the study of fungi. Oh. I actually put the two together, Joe, into what I called ethnomycology. So with my anthropology, I studied the use of mushrooms as food, as medicine, and for shamanic purposes. And of course, you know, the 60s were pretty full of sh shamanism. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> um, and then when I left university, you know, what do you do at that point in time with a degree in anthropology? <laughs> well, not a whole lot, right? So, uh, my mycology professor suggested, and I, because I was kind of reading about, well, growing mushrooms is really sounds really cool. I'd love to try that. Uh, he said, there's a mushroom farm. 60 miles down the road in Olympia, Washington, go ask Bill Street if, you know, you can have a job there. I went down, I got a job. I was there for the next 10 years, literally living with mushrooms that whole time. Wow. Well, I guess that would do it. <laughs> yes, indeed. indeed. And you know what? It was a big mushroom farm. Uh, big commercial agaricus farm, you know, the, the what we call the button mushroom, 2 yeah. million pounds a year. And while I was there, which was really very cool for me, was that we had a Japanese scientist who was working in the R&D department, the head of it, and he was producing shiitake mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, enoki mushrooms. So uh, I had a role in that and was able to see that. So I was, I was learning more about growing other mushrooms. In fact, you know, can you imagine, I was eating fresh shiitake mushrooms Back in the 70s, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad I found you. I'm intrigued by mushrooms, both as a food, which, of course, I've been eating a lot of my life. They've been pretty commonly available, but more recently as a nutritional supplement. But before we get into that, I wanted to just kind of chuckle a little bit 
this whole idea that mushrooms are a fungi or a, a type of a fungus. Fungus is such a funny <laughs> word, isn't it? Fungus. I know. I know. It's it's kind of like something that you go down in your basement and you go, oh my God, there's a fungus down here. <laughs> either either that or, some, or you say to somebody, oh yeah, I, I'm thinking about growing mushrooms. And they go, oh yeah, where? In your basement? <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess mold is a fungi, right? I mean, well, 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 let me just break it down for you a little bit because, um, you know, the, the kingdom of fungi, which sits between animals and plants, um, it's, it's divided up into two different divisions. One is, uh, called imperfect fungi. The other is called perfect fungi. The imperfect fungi are where the molds reside. Oh. So, so molds are, are, uh, fungi and, and, we all know molds because we sometimes let our bread sit too long and we get it out and, it, oh, Jesus, there's something green on it or black on it or something. And, you know, the the issue with molds is that um, really we don't want to breed the spores. That That's where a lot of people say, oh, gee, there's, you know, I have a, a, a fungus problem or I have a mold problem. Well, the issue is if it gets too, too uh, extensive, you'll end up breeding the spores and they can cause allergic reactions and things like that. Yeah. But remember too, penicillin comes from a mold. Yeah. So, yeah. so these uh, imperfect fungi are uh, good and bad on the perfect side. That's where the mushrooms are. And it's called a, a perfect fungi because it actually produces a mushroom. So it's, it's the same mold, like what we call mycelium, but on the perfect side, it will produce a fruiting body, which we call a mushroom. Which is the thing you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and just to, to, to sort of like explain this uh, completely here, the, the uh, actual life cycle of this organism that we call a mushroom, um, how do you grow mushrooms? They don't have seeds. <laughs> how do we do that, right? It's like, well, they have spores. Those spores uh, go out into uh, the environment. They land on the, the ground, on wood. Uh, when they germinate, multiple spores will germinate into fine, very fine filaments. Those filaments come together. They form a network. That network is called mycelium. That mycelium is what we call the vegetative body of this organism. And, and what this mycelium does is it's out there. Uh, breaking down all the organic matter that is building up every year. Can you imagine if, if nothing was breaking down all of the annual plants, all of the agricultural waste, the sawdust, the branches, the leaves? I mean, it, it would be, we'd be buried in this stuff. So the mycelium is part of this natural cycle of breaking down this organic matter and repurposing it into humus. Now, as it does that, it builds up reserves of energy. And then when conditions are right, which in the Pacific Northwest is the fall, the temperatures go down, uh, the rains come, humidity goes up, up comes that mushroom. Uh, the mushroom comes up, it goes through its uh, cycle uh, in about two or three weeks, that mushroom will, will grow from just a tiny little mass of mycelium into a full mushroom. The cap will expand underneath their gills, out come the spores. Now we have completed a life cycle. And the important thing to understand about this is that we look at that in terms of a supplement industry or something and say, okay, this organism has three, what we would call plant parts, spore, mycelium, mushroom. Because if you're going to buy a supplement, 
if, if you're buying ginseng, you want the root. If you're buying ginkgo, you want the leaf, echinacea, you want the flower. So plant part is really, really important. So with the mushroom, three plant parts, spore, mycelium, mushroom. But again, the, we, we have these two divisions, mold versus these perfect fungi, which actually will produce a fruiting body called a mushroom. Well, I think I'm going to apply for my uh, Bachelor of Science <laughs> after that description. Um, but uh, thanks for the details there. But, uh, but there was some interesting bit there that uh, even I was interested in, like the mushroom is not actually the whole thing. The mushroom was just the fruit. It was like the apple from an apple yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can actually look at the mycelium in a way as a root structure because when you see mycelium, all it looks like is is kind of it looks like a mold. It looks just like a white mold. It's, it's got thread like filaments yeah. that are that are moving out. And, and uh, if you were to actually pick a mushroom and look where, at the ground where you picked it, for example, you would see that mycelium there. And again, it'd be kind of a white, stringy, thread like mold that's just buried in its substrate. The substrate is what we call whatever that mushroom happens to be growing in. Yeah, yeah, which could be a rotting log or exactly, it, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, awesome. Uh, so you said that the, the fungi, I guess that's how you pronounce it, is in between the animal and the plant kingdom. Uh, I had heard that they were more closely related to the animal kingdom, and the argument was that uh, fungi breathe oxygen, like animals well they do they do yeah they 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 need oxygen to live and propagate and then they exhale carbon dioxide the other the other thing is is that uh, fungi also have glycogen as the storage carbohydrate whereas plants yeah. produce starch so there's another yeah. and, and and that's a key that's something to remember here joe because as we move into some of these other subjects that will play a major role the fact that uh, mushrooms contain no starch. They have small yeah. amounts of glycogen. Right. We'll get into that for sure. So with lots of plants, you know, the thing you hear is that plants have all kinds of compounds that they generate for themselves just for their functioning, maybe for their own storage of their own fuels, maybe for their own girding the structure so that they can be upright, uh, you know, their own defense against uh, fungi or or insects or things like that. And these chemical properties in the plants, some of which are turn out to be good for human beings. You know, that's why we like to eat them. But also some of those properties, if you can concentrate them up, you can get some extra benefit from them or to some extent, maybe extra harm if you're concentrating up some things that are, you know, so bad and you get it all together, then then there's going to be some harm to it. So these fungi, did I say that fungi, right? fungi, 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 that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Fu well, Glenn told me to say fungi because it was a sort of a play. Yeah, on I know. I, I know. I'm a fun guy. guy fun guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've so, never heard that before, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, in general, so, uh, I mean, if these fungi, fungi 
are different enough from plants, then surely they've got their own little set of chemicals that would be some opportunity for them to be good for human beings. And people have been eating mushrooms for a long time, but are there any attributes about mushrooms that if you concentrate them up, you get some like extra benefit, like a medicine type benefit? Well, well, well sure. And, and, and listen, the, the one thing that I, I really stress is uh, putting mushrooms into a person's diet. You know, what's really was always interesting to me was when I arrived at the mushroom farm in 1973, at that point, classical nutritionists said, mushrooms have no food value. And, and it's like, okay, why did they say that? That mushrooms are low in calories. Mushrooms oh. are actually high in fiber. Um, but in terms of their nutritional benefits, they have a, a reasonable amount of protein, 15 to 30%. The, um, they're primarily carbohydrates, but what I would call good carbohydrates, like for example, mannitol, which is something that is very slow acting. They don't, they're not, they don't have starch. So it's a very slow acting because of all that fiber. They're basically moving through feeding your microbiome, uh, high in, uh, B vitamins, B one, two, and three, uh, a couple of minerals there would be potassium and phosphorus. So it's an excellent food. And when I give you these ranges here, I mean, the, the point is, is that every mushroom is not going to, every species is not going to have the same nutritional profile. It will vary depending on the particular species, sure. but it's a very nutritious food. And, and I, I always tell people, look, before you supplement, put mushrooms into your diet. It is what I call the missing dietary link. And to some degree, a forgotten food here in the West. It's certainly not forgotten in Asia or in Europe. They've been eating different species of mushrooms for a long, long time. For some reason here in the West, in North America, uh, Britain, it's kind of like a bit of mycophobia, which is a little bit of a fear of mushrooms. Because, you know, what's the first thing you hear from somebody when they talk about mushrooms? Oh, yeah, is it poisonous? It's like, well, well, yeah, there are poisonous mushrooms. They're poisonous plants, too. So why are you picking on the poor mushroom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing I hear the most is, well, can you get high off of that? <laughs> well, well, you know, no one's ever asked me that. I mean, my God. <laughs> Especially not when I'm crossing a border and tell them what I do. It's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, right. you know, that that's something that's that's very interesting mushrooms that particular organism certain species will produce some very very interesting compounds and and here's here's the the most important thing is mushrooms have in their cell wall which makes up approximately 50% of their cell wall a compound called a beta glucan and this beta glucan has a thousands of research papers written about it, and they have demonstrated that these mushroom beta-glucans have activity. They are what, what would you be considered an immunological potentiator. And what's really interesting is we actually have receptors in our intestines for beta-glucans. Well, that's interesting. Well, well it is. And, and some have postulated, and again, it's all speculation, but they've postulated, well, the receptors are there because then if some fungal pathogen comes along, then that will hit those receptors. And the receptors go, boom, okay, we're going to start producing some immune cells. Uh, when, when these beta-glucans hit those receptor sites, we've got uh, T cells. 
uh, macrophages, NK cells, that all of a sudden they get stimulated to start producing. And, and so that, that is the key to a medicinal mushroom is having these beta-glucans and the immunological potentiation that they can give to us. And, and that creates so many benefits for us, whether it's antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, or, or just the overall uh, ability to enhance our health. So that's why, for me, I'm always saying, look, get them into your diet, make them part of your food regimen, put them in that food pyramid or whatever you've got, you know, that's a, it's yeah. a really important food. Even before you supplement, start eating mushrooms. Yeah, that's very sensible advice. Of course, that's not advice that I follow. I, <laughs> I, I, if you if you can't supplement, well, then go find it needed. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I mean, that is that has been true of me, but I'm a believer in eating real foods. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. I, I wouldn't know where to go to get it. Uh, I know where I can get the right. You know, the button mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms. I think are pretty commonly available. You know, but. A lot of the other ones. Well, 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 Joe. Listen, uh, first of all, shiitake is my favorite mushroom. It's not just a wonderful edible, but it's one of the primary medicinal mushrooms. So that's one of the ones that I'm always recommending to people. Even the even the agaricus mushroom, the button mushroom, has uh, some medicinal benefits as well. But I mean, if you're any, anywhere close to a metropolitan area, whether it's on the west coast or east coast or, you know, Austin, Texas or something, I mean, there will be whole food stores and they'll have at least six different species of mushrooms. And again, all of these mushrooms will have the beta-glucans because again, it's in their cell walls. And what's interesting is what differentiates just a normal mushroom with its, its uh, uh, benefits in terms of our diet. It's the structure of the beta-glucan that differs a little bit from species to species. And that really makes the difference between a species being highly medicinal and a species being, you know, lower level um, and just providing like nutritional benefits. So, so they all have beta-glucans in them. So you're always going to get the beta-glucans by eating mushrooms. But certain ones have uh, this a little bit more powerful uh, version of the beta-glucan. And those are the ones that we would consider to be medicinal mushrooms. And, and in, in my business, we've got about 10 of the primary species that have been identified by traditional Chinese medicine and backed up by a lot of scientific research. Well, great. And before we're done here, I'm hoping we're going to get into some details about which mushrooms should people go for, for which sorts of benefits that are believed to or known to exist. But just before we get into that, though, I wanted to say that, as you know, my audience is the older athlete. And I don't know whether it's our generation. It's probably our just gener our generation. We've been taking supplements for a long time. It's really just in the hope that some of what has been promised is real, right? The fact that some products actually do work, you know, like caffeine yeah. as an example, yeah. and there are others, the placebo effect and the cleverness of marketers who know what we want, who, who know, you know, as athletes and as older and aging people, they know what we're worried about. It's the perfect setup for a terrible addiction, Really, so there's two problems that I want. I'm I'm hoping that you're going to help me here with Jeff. I mean, the 
which is the reason that I, I asked you to join us here today. The first is whether you think mushrooms would be helpful for the older athlete and how. And, and we'll get into that here in just a second. The second one is also just a general problem with the supplement business. And here, let me whine on you here for a second. I am sure that almost every supplement I've bought, even the ones that are legitimate, that the chemical compound itself is truly helpful, that I have many times bought fake or highly diluted product that really did not get me any or hardly any benefit. And I wouldn't even be surprised to find that some of the things I took were actually bad for me because of the things that were included instead of the things that were promised. So the supplement business being unregulated is just a buyer beware, wild west, and the con- and the consumer is just outgunned. You know, we're desperate, we're easily convinced, and we've got no way to know anything. So the, s- the second problem that I'm going to ask you to help me with after we get past whether mushrooms will be helpful is how can we tell? Is there any way to tell that we're getting what we wanted in the first place? Uh, I'll bet that you are capable of helping. Oh, me oh, that. oh, absolutely. Absolutely can help you there. And, 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 you know, like talking benefits, of course, I mean, this is a, a rather deep subject in terms of the different mushrooms and what they can do for you. Um, again, the, the foundation for this is uh, the beta-glucans and the immunological benefits, which, which just help in, in really every, every way. Uh, again, they've, they've demonstrated the fact that they, they hit these receptor sites. We have them. They've shown in scientific testing that they activate these different immune cells. There, there's, in, the, in the herbal industry, there's not a lot of clinical trials. Even the clinical trials that they have, you know, sometimes can be suspect depending on who is, who is actually paying for the trial. Uh, and they're sure. expensive, so not a lot of them get, get done. But what you're talking about there is something where we can go kind of like mushroom per mushroom and uh, talk about it. Reishi, for one, I would say is your, your number one in terms of immunological benefits. And, and let me say this about how we approach it is I believe in analysis. I, beta-glucans, we have a test for beta-glucans. And our test for beta-glucans not only uh, gives us an amount of the, what percentage of beta-glucans are in the product, but it also will give us the alpha-glucans. Alpha-glucans basically are the starches or glycogen. And, and about uh, five years ago, I did a study where I bought 40 different products off the internet. And the, the 40 that I bought were these products which were uh, made with mycelium. Okay. And, and this is a big issue in, in our industry. So I bought those. I also uh, had dried mushrooms and I had our mushroom extracts, 95 different samples. I tested them all for the beta-glucans to start with. And what I found was that mushrooms have anywhere from 25 to 60% beta-glucan. They have less yeah. than 5% alpha, which would mean, okay, whatever's in there, that would be their glycogen. These other products that were made from mycelium, actually, they had about 5% beta-glucan. And the alpha-glucan was 30 to 60%, meaning they were full of starch. Why were they full of starch? Well, 
the reason was because these particular products were, they were growing the mycelium, which again is the vegetative body, the kind of the root system. They're growing it on sterilized grain. And then at the end of the process, they would dry it all out, grind it to a powder, grain and all. So what what they were selling was actually grain, grain starch. And, yeah. and and the the market was full of this stuff. I mean, in fact, I'd say right now fifty percent of the market are these types of products. And to your point of this industry is not regulated, it is highly regulated. However, <laughs> you can grow this particular product. You can grow it in a GMP facility. You can have it organically certified. You can have it kosher. You can have all of the different what I call merit badges. Uh, and it doesn't have heavy metals. It passes the pesticide test, all the rest, and still sell it because nobody is out there guaranteeing what is being sold is actually what it should be. And so what you get in, in the case of these products is you look at the, the uh, actual label and it says reishi mushroom, uh, shiitake mushroom. You, they don't tell you what actually you're getting. Some companies will. You turn it over after you've looked at the front panel. You turn it over and in the supplements facts, it might say mycelium. And then if you look at the fine print, some of the more honest of these dishonest companies would say myceliated rice, myceliated oats, or something to that. People don't look at that. They just look at the label on the front label. They're not looking at the fine print. And maybe some some celebrity is selling these products. And they say, well, that's cele- – I mean, you know what that's like. I mean, some celebrities out there selling it. And you're thinking, well, I mean, if, if he says it's good, it, it must be good. No, not at all. And, and this gets back to what you're talking about in terms of marketing. So much of the information out there that we're getting, whether it's in the mushroom – industry or in the supplement industry is what I call marketing speak. It's basically designed, you know, it's kind of like selling beer and they're they're not saying how great the beer is. They're just basically showing you young people having a great time at a party. And so these products get sold out there, mislabeled. And look, um, that would be where the FTC steps in. But but in terms of of the mushroom category, it's like, well, you know, nobody's dying. Uh, we're not getting a lot of complaints or anything. So we FDA and these people, they have to go after where there's a serious health issue. And it's like, okay, people aren't getting any benefits, but they're also not dying. So what's the problem here? You know, it's sort of a caveat emptor in a way. And unfortunately, when you have these people out there selling it and, and man, it's so easy to deceive people. I mean, we all know that. I mean, I mean, look, American business is made up of P.T. Barnums and Bernie Madoffs. Um, and that's just a fact of life. And unless you really know how to to look at a label, read a label and get some kind of information and, and just to to um, finish this up in terms of, OK, what do you look for? Well, yeah. number one, uh, does it say made in the USA? I hate to tell you, but these products, if they're made in the USA, they are this grain-based mycelium product. And, and here's, here's the, the rub, so to speak. As a mushroom grower, as a commercial mushroom grower on a large scale, 
I know the economics of it. You cannot grow mushrooms in the U.S. and then sell those mushrooms into the supplement market. And the, it's a very easy thing to understand in the sense that they're selling fresh mushrooms. They're getting $5 a pound, let's say the grower. Supplements yeah. are dried powders. So when you dry that mushroom out, now all of a sudden, instead of $5, you have to get $50 for that same dried pound of mushrooms. The economics for supplements does not work. You can grow this mycelium stage on sterile grain for just a song. It is the cheapest thing in the world to grow. And so that's what they've done. And, and, um, and they're calling it mushroom, which is the worst part about it. FDA actually has a compliance uh, uh, guide that says no, you cannot call mycelium mushroom. Period. And and, uh, and a lot of a lot of these companies say, well, look, um, mycelium's wonderful. It's got all of these benefits. The issue is they're not selling you mycelium. They're selling you uh, this uh, myceliated grain. And do you know what tempeh is, Joe? It's a, a, a soy product that's been uh, fermented with like a, a mushroom, a, a, a fungi. Well, well, you know what? Yes, absolutely right. It's it's basically a f a fermented with a fungus, and, and that white that's covering those soybeans is actually mycelium. So myceliated grain or soybeans is is what they're selling you. And if you ever cut into that tempeh, you realize, okay, yeah, it's mostly soy with the mycelium that is pulling it together, but. If you were to dry that out, you'd be like, what happened to the mycelium? All I see here is soy because the mycelium uh, with a, a tempeh is 90% water. The soy is 50% water. The, the point being, they're selling you what is actually a food product, and they're selling you what this fungus is growing on, which you didn't ask for that. You were looking for a mushroom product. Instead, you're getting a bunch of grain starch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose that what you're saying is that there is some regulation here, but this grain substrate, which the uh, mycelium is grown in, it is essentially impossible to separate from the mycelium once it's ready to be harvested. So they don't bother. They, you know, they don't go in there with a scalpel one grain at a time and try to Well, just well yeah, you, you cannot separate it out. And look, when we're growing mushrooms, and, and, and one of the interesting things about growing mushrooms is that most medicinal mushrooms are grown on wood. So most of our mushrooms are either grown on wood logs or sawdust. We don't sell you the sawdust, for God's sakes. We're selling yeah. you the mushroom. And, and, you know, in a sense, that's kind of like, you know, one of the uh, little secrets about the supplement industry is a lot of products, and including uh, herbal extracts, they will put on a carrier. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a stabilizer of sorts, but sometimes uh, that gets out of hand and it ends up that the carrier that they add to the herbal extract makes up 50% of the product and they don't tell you that. Yeah. So, uh, and I have read a little bit about this and, and understand that some of the claims include that the, the grain base is actually modified by the mycelium so that it's now different and it's better for you. <laughs> and, you know, who knows, I, you know, maybe there's some truth in that, but the problem is that it's such a strange combination of product that you're more susceptible to being tricked by the producer than if you were just buying 
the mushroom. Well, well, I mean, I mean, and look, here's here's the other issue, and this is why I love analysis. We analyze for the beta glucans. We analyze for ergosterol, which is the fungal sterol, and grain producers in the United States. When you know grain for um, like wheat grains and stuff like that, they're always uh, when it's being stored, they're always testing for. Uh, fungi because there are molds that will get into the stored grain and create things like aflatoxins, which are very toxic. So so there is a test out there for ergosterol, and that's the test they use just to see what level of uh, fungal tissue, which tells them, is this contaminated or not? We use that test as well. And these particular products, mycelial grain products, they have a tenth of the ergosterol that a mushroom has, which basically tells you the amount of fungal matter in the product, just like beta-glucans. If there are no beta-glucans in that grain, myceliated grain or a small amount, that just tells you the, the amount of fungal matter in there. And if it's a, a fifth of what you'd get from the mushroom or a tenth, well, that just demonstrates, uh, again, the amount of fungal matter. And fungal matter is what you were thinking you were buying. So these are the real issues. The real issues are are just that you're getting all this stuff. These companies, which is amazing, they will say, oh, our, our products have less than 2% starch. Yeah, what test are you using? Because it, that's complete nonsense. It's not breaking that down. And and if they say, okay, it's, it's creating these compounds as we're doing it. Well, okay, that's just a claim you're making. Show me the data. Show me the analysis of your product that demonstrates you are actually uh, um, creating these compounds. I mean, I mean, these companies are even talking about the beta-glucans in their products and so on. They will never measure those beta-glucans. And that's why, to me, the most important thing for these products is, look, let's measure the medicinal compounds in there. That's what's important. Uh, they could even take okay. it out and, and run it into some immunological test. And, oh, look, see, it stimulates this uh, cytokine or that. And it's like, you know what? I I've seen all of those tests before. There's a lot of different things that will move the needle in those tests. That's why for me, in vitro testing is like, well, yeah, okay, I get it. And we'll, we'll look at some of it. But when, when you look at a lot of it, it's just kind of like, you know, okay, look, what are you, a tobacco company? And, and you're creating this research that you say actually supports your product when, when really it's not medicinal. It's not a medicinal mushroom. It's just grain starch. I, I can, I can get grain starch anytime I want. I can get, you know, they sometimes talk about arabinozylans in their rice uh, um, myceliated grain. I'm like, well, I'll just eat the rice. That would be a lot cheaper. Let's see if we can't summarize how people can tell that they're getting a good product. You had said not made in the U.S. is better. Now, would that include maybe they bought mushrooms from China, which I assume is the best place to get them, and then turned it into some sort of a tincture or something in the U.S. I mean, would that work? Well, well, well. You know what? Uh, what I would say is that there may be some of that going on, but um, uh, not not a lot. Really, not a lot of that going on. I mean, it's just like some companies will will bring in. Uh, um, raw materials from overseas, whether it's China, India, lots of different places, and then 
they'll package it in the U.S. and then they'll claim, oh, yeah, product of the U.S. Well, you know what? Yes and no. What you can do, though, is you can actually see that some of these primary companies that are selling these products, they're based in the U.S. So you can, you can uh, use that as one of the, the tells, so to speak, about these products made in the U.S. The other thing, too, is are they actually giving you uh, amounts of beta-glucan in the product? On the label, you're saying? On the label, yep, absolutely. On the label, does the label say X amount of beta-glucans? Because right. those particular companies will not uh, put that on their products. Some, there are one or two that do, but the majority don't. If they're talking about polysaccharides, well, polysaccharides was a test that used to be used before we had the beta-glucan test. Beta-glucans are polysaccharides. It's just one level down, deeper uh, beta-glucans are what we're really looking at, but polysaccharides are also starches. So okay. uh, a polysaccharide test, they could say, oh yeah, it's got 60% polysaccharides. Isn't that great? No, it's not because it could be okay. mostly starches that you've got in there like these grains. Right. All right. So the label's got to have an amount of beta-glucans on it. That's very helpful. The other thing now, which which I think is really cool, and that is, look, Here's a simple test for anybody to do. Just go to the pharmacy and buy yourself a little bottle of iodine. Wow. Now, take your, your product that you've got and, and empty out. If it's in capsules, empty out about six capsules. So you got a couple of grams of it. Stir it into a quarter cup of water. Get it nice and moist. You know, Give it a little while to sit. Stir it up. Put in 10 drops of iodine. If there is starch in there, it will immediately turn black that liquid yeah. will turn black. A genuine mushroom product, you can do that and put the iodine in. It will not turn. You might see the water turn the color of the iodine, but it will not turn. These other products, they will go black immediately. It, it is, it is right. a wonderful little science project. Get your kids involved. <laughs> All right. Well, I was, I was tempted to uh, do that with the junk that I showed you before we started recording, but I, I just already know that it doesn't do any good. Because of course, I've been taking it for a while and not feeling anything <laughs> and thinking, I don't know about these mushrooms. I'm just not sure. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's like I was I was just eating rice or something and you know, I was probably feeling the rice. But, <laughs> well, uh, listen, you know, you know, look, here, here's the other thing is, is don't expect the mushrooms to work immediately. Well, like, you know, a lot of people, I see these reviews on Amazon and stuff. You know, I just bought this mushroom product. I, I got it today. I've got a bit of a cold coming on. I just took some. It's gone today. You know, I, I took them yesterday. It doesn't work that way. No, you have to incorporate them into your diet, into your supplement regime. And then ultimately, it is providing you protection. The, the issue, it's kind of like a vitamin. Do you take a vitamin C or a D and you go, oh, man, that just feels great. Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, no, this, this is how you have to look at it. It's just like a food. Uh, I mean, we all are eating certain foods. We uh, have read about the benefits they give us, but we're not saying, yeah, I'm getting, you know, I'm feeling like this because I'm eating carrots a lot, you know? So, so, you know, it's, it's, it's like, okay, you have to think about it that way. And, and the way that I would look at it is, okay, um, I'm getting colds every winter or uh, I'm getting the flu. 
Are you still after supplementing uh, and eating mushrooms for a year or so? Is that sort of like gone down now? Now it's not the same. You're not feeling sick nearly as much. I mean, that's kind of how you have to look at it, in my opinion. Um, you know, another mushroom, let's just talk about for a second, is lion's mane. No. Uh, five years ago, we sold about uh, 100 to 200 kilos of lion's mane. Last year, we sold 10 tons of lion's mane. <laughs> it's like... It's gotten more popular. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole thing of nootropics had just blew up lion's mane. Now, now look, um, there are a few clinical trials out of Japan that, that giving people three grams a day of lion's mane with a control group, uh, giving a battery of tests, testing them again after 120 days, the, the group taking the lion's mane tested higher. After 30 days of not taking the lion's mane, they dropped back down to the norm. Yeah. Uh, that's just one test. There are a few other tests that they've done that seem to show something. Lion's mane stimulates what's called nerve growth factor. Um, yeah. Nerve growth factor helps to organize our neurons, and uh, it's a real beneficial compound that we need. But as we age we produce less of it. So the idea is, okay, supplement with lion's mane. And as you get older, because really look, um, what'd you say your name again was? I I'm kind of forgetting here. <laughs> what was that thought I just had a minute ago? Why did I come out of the kitchen? What was I coming out for anyway? So, yeah. you know, let's face it. Age gives us these memory issues, which it's like all of a sudden, God, why is my memory a little bit you know, off. And, and when my, when my sons have that kind of thing, it's like, God, I, I, I forget. I think, Oh, that's wonderful. I love to hear that. <laughs> you know, that Even at 40, you're having some of these issues. So, so lion's mane has kind of demonstrated that. And, and, you know, nootropics have blown up in such a big way that lion's mane kind of got into that whole category. And a lot of people, you know, Stimulation of the mind and memory and cognition is such a big thing these days and that lion's mane just got dragged into it and a lot of people are using it. And, and, you know, again, you really have to look at this and be careful about the whole placebo thing of, oh, yeah, do I feel it or don't? I? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it or I don't. It's, it's so difficult to really know. And that's why, you know, it's like when I was reading this study recently and it said, well, here's one of the ways that you can tell whether something uh, is uh, helping for viruses because it's like, are you still getting a cold like you used to or as much as you used to? And I thought, wow, that's a great way to test a, an antiviral. Is it working or not? And I thought that it's kind of a, a clinical trial in a sense. And, and you know, the other thing that, that I find interesting about mushrooms in general is that they've done a lot of very, very large studies out in Asia on, on large populations. You know, they, they get them to, to um, tell them what their diet is, and then they compare them and look at certain things. And they've just shown that, that populations that eat mushrooms live longer than those that don't. And, and I, 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 th I think that's right. I, I, I'm personally a believer in that and, and think there's definitely something to it. And if you think about the fact of the overall benefits we're getting from consuming these beta-glucans in a regular way, plus mushrooms have this um, fiber 
that's feeding our uh, microbiome. It's a prebiotic. There are benefits uh-huh. there that I think will uh, keep us healthier and uh, give us more longevity. Sure. Well, microbiome is also one of those newer things. And frankly, I had not heard of uh, mushrooms being talked about as uh, one of the possible answers there, but uh, that's good to know. Well, so we've summarized a little bit about the how to try to get a good dose. And I actually, we ended up reversing the order that we talked about, but I'd like to zero in on some of the different kinds of mushrooms and the different kinds of benefits that they would get. And with, with an eye toward the audience here, which is the older athlete, generally speaking, I think the idea that you, as you've been describing, is that it's an immune system booster. And then there's also some neurological benefit for, what did you call it? The Nerve growth factor. Nerve growth factor with the lion's mane in particular. But were there any other things? I mean, I've heard as an example that cordyceps is is sort of like a good for- I was just going to mention that. Then you talk and I will stop talking. Well, well, cordyceps is really an interesting fungus. <clears throat> Traditionally, the cordyceps that they, one of the cordyceps that they've used grows up in, in the foothills of Tibet. And it's called caterpillar fungus because it actually grows off of a caterpillar. The caterpillar uh, uh, hibernates. During the hibernation process, the uh, fungal spores germinate. They uh, get right inside that caterpillar. They consume his full insides. And in the summer, up comes this little blade-like cordyceps. The fungus that ate a caterpillar. (laughs) Yes, it did. Well, you know, cordyceps, the whole genus of cordyceps, they will, in fact, consume insects. They have the enzymes to break down uh, a lot of those barriers that insects have, the, the sort of chitinous armor that protects them and things like that. So yeah, yeah, this this is a genus that has those enzymes. So there's a lot of cordyceps species out there that grow on a wide variety of different insects. Uh, but the problem with cordyceps sinensis, and, and first of all, it, it was used primarily for what's called neurasthenia uh, and fatigue. People have a long illness. They, they're just getting better, but they can't seem to overcome uh, and, and really get completely better. They would prescribe them cordyceps for this uh, fatigue and tiredness and lack of energy, which is kind of like the direct, uh, um, let's say, correlation to athletes using cordyceps. And, and uh, uh, But right now, that particular caterpillar fungus is valued at somewhere around $15,000 US per dried kilogram. Ooh. Okay. Um, I tried to introduce it. I tried to introduce it back into the, the uh, supplement market back in 1991 when, in fact, I was able to buy it for $1,000 a kilogram. People just looked at it. The people I was trying to sell it to just looked at it and went, you know what? My, my customers just don't want to eat caterpillars. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and they said, besides, most of them are vegetarians. Come on, man. You know, it's like, so, so look, um, and, and here's the other thing that is fascinating about cordyceps, which I think, you know, kind of goes to a lot of things that we're talking about. Back in 1993, Chinese runners at the China National Games broke all sorts of world records. Um, 
And they went on to the uh, Olympics. I think it was in 1996, the Olympics, and broke all kinds of of records. Like like the the women broke uh, um, the record for the 10,000 meter by I think 40 seconds. Uh, the 1500. It was like the world was shocked, and they were shocked because of the uh, amount of time over the previous record. Uh, some of those records still stand today. Now. The coach said, um, well, we use a special preparation with our athletes. And um, part of that preparation, it's turtle blood and cordyceps. And all of a sudden, the world is like, cordyceps, my God, what an amazing thing. I guess eating caterpillars wasn't as bad as drinking turtle blood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, China, we love you so much. (laughs) Look, uh, uh. Fast forward a few years to the 2000 Olympics, and by that time, Chinese athletes uh, left, right, and center are being busted for EPO, which during the 90s, they did not have the ability to test for EPO. And in fact, in the 2000 uh, Olympics, about 30 Chinese athletes, including a number of of runners under this particular coach dropped out of the Olympics rather than to be tested. And so ultimately it was discovered and realized that no, they were doping. And that's why they were able to break these records. I mean, can you imagine any Olympic record standing for close to 30 years with nobody even coming close to it? Now, yeah. okay, back to this miracle of cordyceps. Look, um, there have been some studies that show that cordyceps does help you with oxygen utilization. One of the interesting tests that they do, which I always found kind of fascinating in a way, is called the mouse swimming test. <laughs> they take this mouse and they put him in a a pool (laughs) and yeah, they time how long he can swim before he can't swim before he drowns. Yeah. Yeah. Before they have to pull him out and send him to the hospital. Right. And then they have other ones that hasn't taken the cordyceps or whatever. And they swim and Oh, okay. The one that took the cordyceps swam for 20 seconds more than the other one. So this is one of the ways that they test herbs for fatigue. Okay. Now, they have a test like that. They did for cordyceps. And yeah, the mouse swam longer. Does that prove anything? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not somebody who's really, uh, you know, done a lot of those tests or looked into it too deeply. That's just one of those kind of tests. The other thing, you know, maybe the other thing too with the... um, I was just reading here this morning and it was talking about the whole uh, dietary, you're both familiar with the glycemic index and you're probably familiar with the fact of, okay, I want to eat these foods pre-workout and these foods post-workout and things like that. I was kind of talking about mushrooms and kind of saying, look, um, when before workout, you want something that is going to be kind of slow uh, and giving you just a, a steady amount of energy, whereas after maybe you want to build your reserves back up. I'm not a, a professional athlete or an athlete that's deep into that, but I thought, well, that's, that's kind of interesting because, you know, with the fact that 
mushrooms have uh, mannitol, which is a very slow to digest carbohydrate. And part of that is that um, means that it will, to some degree, level out the glucose in your system. So you're not getting a huge spike like if you just ate a plate of spaghetti or something like that, where it yeah. was cooked and, you know, nice starchy spaghetti. So, so that, that's maybe another place where, where uh, mushrooms in general will enhance athletic performance. I, I don't know, but there are those types of tests and historical use that might show that cordyceps could health help in uh, athletics. I know they've done a couple of tests in the U.S. using cordyceps, and there's a couple of universities in the U.S. that will do those kind of tests for you. I've seen some of those papers. I'm not impressed. Um, I, I don't really like corporate-funded research of any sort because usually in all of the the papers, you know, maybe you can pull out one sentence that sends tends to be positive, and then the company uses that to sell the product. Sure. And, and uh, whereas if you really looked at the test, you'd say, yeah, well, didn't didn't prove anything. Uh, and, and I know I've seen one of those that said, well, um, they used cordyceps and they had a control group. And what they found was that with uh, really high-level athletes, it made no difference whatsoever. And, and, you know, not a lot of things probably will with a high-level athlete make any difference. Um, but at any rate, that's what they found in this one particular study. But Again, there's not enough clinical trials to really say, but this is how cordyceps is being sold and used. And, and um, is there a benefit there or not? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but I do know if I ever see a company that is still using that Chinese runners thing, I'm going like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You are still using that? <laughs> and, and, you know, I actually have read that. There's one company that, that used it, uh, you know, whose uh, name ends in tech. And uh, to see them use it, I was just like, you guys are using that? Well, I know who they buy from. And it's like. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the, the sense I'm getting is that, that most of the benefit that you know, we, and I guess maybe you as the expert here are confident in is the immune benefit, the immune boosting benefit. Uh, well, yeah, I, I would say so. Although look, there are certain mushrooms like reishi and chaga that have compounds yeah. called triterpenoids, uh, yeah. which is a very special type of compound. That's a, um, and that's why I, I like reishi as if you're doing one particular mushroom, do reishi. Uh, those triterpenoids have shown to be very good for liver function. Um, the triterpenoids in chaga have demonstrated strong antiviral activity. So okay. in that sense, I think, you know, there are other benefits there, but the primary benefit is going to come from those beta-glucans and um, the mushrooms that we consider to be highly medicinal. You generally have a very uh, high amount of those beta. The two, the two mushrooms that have the highest levels of beta-glucan in our testing are reishi and turkey tail, which, which is, which is really tail. fascinating. Turkey tail, well, the interesting thing about turkey tail is that, sure, it's been used in traditional Chinese medicine, but they've also produced two different drug products from turkey tail, one in Japan called PSK, and it's actually what's considered a protein-bound polysaccharide or a protein-bound beta-glucan, which has demonstrated, you know, and they've done a lot of clinical trials with that. And it has shown that if you are going through 
um, let's say chemotherapy, radiation therapy, or something like that, it will increase your uh, lifespan and also uh, essentially help you to maintain a little higher level of uh, immunity as those programs are tearing your immune system down. Uh, in China, they have a similar product from Turkey Tail that's called PSP. So, so it's kind of interesting. E- even shiitake mushroom uh, in Japan, they produced a drug from that, a absolutely pure beta-glucan called lentinin, and they were using it for immunological. I mean, when they're when you know, I say drugs, when they're using these things in Japan, for example, they use them as an adjuvant to cancer therapies. And, and just so everybody yeah. knows, these mushrooms are not going to cure your cancer. Just want you to be sure of that. They 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 are certainly useful if you want to. Uh, consume them along with whatever therapies you're getting. And this is where, again, um, using mushrooms and putting them into your diet will, I believe, make you healthier in the long run. But that's that's something where this is how you would use them. They're not going to cure uh, that particular disease. Right, right. And the lion's mane, which was for the uh, neurotropic growth factor, uh, I think is what you were referring to, would it also so let's just say that that was maybe a minor benefit and 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 maybe it maybe there's no benefit there for everybody would they would the lion's mane also have the immune boosting properties to absolutely it that, uh, absolutely yeah yeah no lion's mane is definitely a, a high quality medicinal mushroom it it has somewhere between 30 and 35 percent beta glucan all right. So if you were going for, you know, maybe a twofer and and one of them was a little more questionable than the other, you know, lion's mane wouldn't be a bad way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and again, you know, it's like uh, make sure you're getting real lion's mane and not some of these other facsimiles. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Well, so let's let's see if I can summarize here. Tell me what I got wrong. We'll start with the the potential benefits, which come probably from you know any of the real uh, mushrooms, but the ones that you thought were the the best. You'd, you'd say start with reishi. You know, if you were just going to pick one, do do reishi. But uh, turkey tail, shiitake, uh, lion's mane. Um, I think you also mentioned chaga. cordyceps, uh, cordyceps, or uh, um, also. Um uh, yeah, chaga certainly. My talkie's a good one as well. Those would be like the top six, okay. I would say, right there. All right. And any of those are are going to have good benefits to you from an in- immunological point of view, perhaps from a, a gut health point of view with the fiber that's included in them. Uh, you know, to the extent that uh, you're looking for a, a long burning carbohydrate, that's what that's what they have. Uh, as well as good protein content. One of the things that, that I want to stress here too, and, and, and you know, you brought this up earlier too, and that is the amount that you take. Now, now look, uh, when it comes to supplements, for example, th- normally you're going to get 60 capsules and each capsule will be 500 milligrams, let's say, and they'll say take two a day. And, and it's like, okay, two a day. And, and whether you're 120 pounds or 220 pounds, really? <laughs> is that how it works? No, no, it doesn't work like that at all. And and not only that, almost all supplements, unfortunately, when they tell you two capsules, say it's underpowered. Period. Underpowered. You're you're not going to get. You know. In fact, you know. And this is unfortunate because supplements are not cheap. 
that they're they're expensive and and supplements that are cheap are probably definitely what you want to stay away from but yeah. the the issue is you really have to take a sufficient amount of these things to get the benefits and i, I would say with, with a mushroom product what what we say is um two to five grams of dried mushroom or extract equivalent. So if we have a, a, let's just say five grams of dried mushrooms and we do a 10 to one extract, then we've got 500 milligrams of extract. So that's okay. sort of the equivalent, but, but that's kind of, so, so that means if you've got a, a normal mushroom a product that's just a, uh, maybe an extract, uh, it's a simple extract or something, well, you'd want to take a minimum of two grams. And so we're talking like half a teaspoon. What, what is uh, two? Uh, two grams would be probably teaspoon and a half, maybe. It, it depends. It definitely be. And uh, you know what I say to people too is, look, if you if you're into it enough, you can buy really great little scales for twenty bucks, and they'll get down into the milligrams, and you can you can do that. And to me, don't underpower what you're taking. Most products. You're going to have to take more than they tell you, especially if you're a 200 pounder or something, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's fairly simple, you know, observation, but unfortunately, unless you really know that this thing is super powerful, you know, you, which probably it isn't, you, you should be looking to make sure you're getting enough of that or else you're just wasting your time. Uh, I mean, think yeah. about this for a second, Joe, um, I can take one of those button mushrooms fresh. Yeah. Put it on the scale. It weighs 40 grams. 40 grams. Now, if I dry it out, that's four dried grams. One button mushroom. I, I can eat 200 grams of those things in a sitting without even <laughs> blinking. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and so the same with shiitake mushrooms. That's why I think it's so very, very important for people to eat mushrooms because you can get a lot. Now, now, okay, people say, yeah, mushrooms are expensive. And yeah, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. They, they can be expensive, but you know what? It's a valuable food and um, food in the U.S. is so cheap, really, compared to a sure. lot of places. I mean, sure. uh, so get them into your diet. But when you're supplementing, just keep that in mind. Don't, don't just go strictly by what they tell you, two capsules. It's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's what to take. And, and the, the benefits are not going to be magical. It's not a, a, a silver bullet that's going to cure whatever is ailing you or make you uh, win an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> um, but it is a boost to your health. And if you take it as a part of your diet over time, it will make you healthier. You, you say that you would expect that people would be sick less often. I, I, yes, absolutely. Ab absolutely. Now, look, if you've got a shitty diet and you don't get any exercise and you sit a chair all day long, it's like, look, there, there's not a lot of help for you <laughs> unless you really change your ways. So, right, right. you know, I, I mean. But just taking mushrooms is not going to be enough for no, that person. No, no. Let's face it. The, the, the foundation of our health is the diet. You're going to yeah. have to have a good diet. And then you're going to have to move your body. <laughs> you're going to have to keep active uh, and, and you know, work out as well if you, if you can. But, I mean, it's like, you know, that, that's the worst thing about what's happened in this last year is like, no, no, you got to stay inside in your chair looking at the a computer screen. It's like, oh, yeah, that's very healthy. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Really. Thank you so much. You know, yeah, don't yeah. go outside. What? 
<laughs> anyway, that hasn't helped people's health at all. And the diet, the, the, the North American diet is, is just crap unless you're yeah. aware and you know what you're doing and you have some kind of guidance or you've been raised in a certain way. I mean, I, I've, I've sort of given up carbohydrates uh, for dinner. Not normally because I love bread, so I'll have a sandwich or something. But I don't need rice. I don't need a potato at the end of the day. I don't need extra carbs because um, yeah. I can't burn them off. Uh, no way yeah. I can burn them off. So, so for me, I mean, God, you should see my my little compost bucket. I mean, I got every week. I got to take that thing and dump it because it's just full of vegetable leavings. I mean, I'm, I'm eating uh, vegetables every night, a lot of them, and and I, you know, I'm a meat eater too. So it's like meat and veggies, and and you know, it's like yeah, the, the baked potato. Not sorry, <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If something's got to go, yeah, that's, the right that, one. that's it. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. And so then in terms of how to know whether you're getting the right thing, just, you know, in the thousands of years that people have been eating mushrooms, it's the mushroom, it's the fruiting body. It's not the root structure. Mm -hmm. Although I guess maybe tempeh is an example <laughs> of how that maybe is. Well, different. well, look, look, if you want to eat tempeh, fine. Tempeh, I, I've got no problem with tempeh. I, I've got no problem with those products. They should be sold as food, not as a mushroom because they're not mushroom. They are yeah. a fungal tempeh product that they've ground up with all of the starch in it and it is masquerading as a mushroom yeah yeah uh okay good so probably you would, you would want to emphasize to, if, if you're looking to get a quality supplement then look for the mushroom product and you can tell uh, now if it's just a dried up mushroom, you can probably tell that it's a mushroom. But if it's a powder, you can't really tell what it is. There's a few things you can do. You can look on the label and see if they actually measure and printed the amount of beta glucans that are in it. And uh, you can do an iodine test to uh, see if there's a lot of starch in there, which would indicate that you know you're getting <laughs> lots of starch <laughs> in your product and. And if you like that, well, then, you know, you better up the dose so that you're getting enough of the beta-glucan so that you're getting some benefit, Yeah, uh, you know, beyond just the benefit of having the carbohydrates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And made in the USA is a, is a warning sign. Uh, it, usually. it is, yes. That's, that's absolutely right. Unfortunately, because, you know, like we're all trying to be locavores. I'm trying to be a locavore. I like to eat stuff that is locable, uh, locally grown and and. You know, I can't do it as, as much as, as the people in California can because it's all being grown there or, you know, across the border in Mexico or something. But everything has to get shipped up to BC and we get our fresh vegetables BC grown in the fall or late summer or something like that. And yeah. All right. I think we've gotten to the end of what I thought we would talk about. Is there anything else? Well, you know, um, Again, for me, I, I just really advocate for eating mushrooms. And, and I just think, again, it's the forgotten food. I, again, the missing dietary link. Put it into your diet. It, it's very, very tasty. There's a lot of great mushrooms out there to eat and, and today more than ever. So it, it is actually coming into sure. the, the uh, sure. U.S. market in a much bigger way now. Okay. Well, Jeff... Sir, thank you very much. This has been very educational for me. I hope for the audience as well. Uh, 
you saw that I threw away that bottle of uh, <laughs> mushroom labeled junk that um, I had bought some time ago and given up on. But I am going to add mushrooms and as a regular part of my diet. Thanks for the advice. You're welcome. And, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, Joe. It's been great. Great. Awesome. Well, have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to our discussion about the world of mushrooms with Jeff Chilton. Be sure to check out the show notes for more details. And if you head over to wiseathletes.com, you can send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Thanks again.